0: Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Our gospel lesson is John chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. Here ends our gospel lesson. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Here our Lord speaks of his redemptive suffering to come. He speaks of his death on a cross as his glorification and says that when he died, he would draw all people from the evil of this world and towards himself. It's kind of weird to think of death as one's glorification. But hey, Jesus was a unique guy. I suppose it is fitting language, though when compared with seeds dying in the ground and flowering from their soil-covered death. Perhaps it is my ignorance of gardening, but I rarely hear of people glorifying and reveling in their seed collections, and I never see them showing seeds off at fairs and farmers' markets. The plants, flowers, and produce that grows from these seeds when they die, on the other hand, are constantly displayed with pride by their growers whether they be orchids or cucumbers, the growth that blossoms from seeds when they die are deemed far more precious and more important than the seeds themselves. There is much in us and in our world that has long needed to die. And Christ brought it all to the cross with him. In his glorification on the cross, he brought the sins of the world to the grave with him. Yet, though God is good and will always forgive those who call upon his name, the seeds of evil persist in us and in the world at large. The analogy with seeds gets a little strained here because a seed and the growth it yields are of the same stuff. Cucumbers grow from cucumber plant seeds just as roses bloom from rose plant seeds. The comparative seeds in us that need to die, on the other hand, are not who God made us to be. There are seeds in our society that have been on display far too often these past few years that I do not believe form who we really are, or, if they do, are definitely not who God made us to be. Seeds that have blossomed like weeds recently are forces of violence, racism, sexism, polarization, and cruelty, just to name a few. Whether it be normalizing profanity on a parade float at our family-oriented St. Patrick's Day parade here in Ronan last week, or Robert Long intentionally committing mass murder in Atlanta instead of dealing with his own issues, there are seeds among us that need to die in order for better things to blossom in our nation. And our world. Once again, I do not believe that the seeds of these sorts of evils come from God, but God definitely calls on us to let them die so that goodness may grow instead. I have been reading a book on the history of France and Western Europe in the fourteenth century, called A Distant Mirror by Barbara W. Tuckman, and found the section on the Black Death also known as the bubonic plague, uniquely interesting. I suppose it is no surprise that I find pandemics intriguing, given the times that we are living in. But the Black Death will always be a top contender for one of history's most horrible events. The Black Death, the bubonic plague, so named because it causes pus-filled boils called buboes to form on the infected, Is thought to have first been contracted by people living in Mongolia in 1346. As we know how these things cross international barriers all too easily, the disease is believed to have been transported from Central Asia via the Black Sea by Italian merchants in 1347. By 1348, the infection race was on in Europe, and within five years, 30 to 40 percent of the population of the entire continent was slain by this pestilence to many communities suffering death rates as high as 90%, to say nothing of what nations in the rest of the world suffered as well. It puts into perspective how much worse things could be for us right now, as well as the importance of following isolation and quarantine measures when necessary. What struck me about the history I read was not the details of the virus and its spread, but the response to the supposed causes among the people affected by it. The people of that time had limited methods for diagnosing and sourcing the spread of the epidemic, but that did not stop them from assigning a cause for the whole thing, the Jews. Though there was no significant Jewish population among the Mongolians, the virus's arrival in Europe can be directly attributed to the greed of Italian merchants seeking to tap the wealth of the Mongolian Empire, Europeans defaulted to bigotry, hatred, and anti-Semitic violence to deal with their frustrations. In communities across Europe, from Germany to France and even into Scandinavia, Jews were killed by the thousands. Their synagogues and homes were burned, their wealth confiscated, and incidents of racist propaganda abounded across the land. The Pope tried to intervene, rightly pointing out that Jews were getting sick and dying from the plague, just like everybody else. And it was foolish to think that they would have intentionally infected others with a virus that was doing just as much, if not more harm to them. But the people would not listen. The seeds of anti-Semitism were buried deep within the culture and the masses. Rather than being honest about their grief at the overwhelming trauma they had endured and dealing with it in healthy ways, they turned instead to violence and killed the people they already hated, because that was easier than dealing with the overwhelming pain of it all. The suffering masses became a mob, and turned on Jesus' own people with a rage that should have been dealt with through prayer and support, but was channeled into acts of rampage and genocide. I look around our nation now and fear that the seeds of this kind of evil are still bedded in the soil of people's hearts and minds, seeking to take root and bloom as a noxious weed that will bear no fruit. Europe of the 14th century was only worse for the killing and carnage that accompanied their racist campaigns against the Jews in response to the plague. Reports of the following decades were that nobles, knights, and peasants continued to live with a heightened love of violence, risky behavior, revelry, and drinking, and all sorts of sinful habits that the church could hardly even preach to. The indulgence of their hatred, only led to more hatred. The indulgence of evil only led to greater evil down the road. However, we hear from our gospel once again, the powerful promise that these are the kinds of things that Jesus took to the cross with him, so that good fruit may flourish with his resurrection. It was the hatred of the masses that led to his execution. But it was the love of God that led to his resurrection. He was glorified on the cross not because he died, but because he rose from the ashes of evil to give new life to a world that is in constant need of redemption. He saw the hearts and minds of the people and knew that they would get him killed. Yet, fulfilling the words that Martin Luther King Jr. would speak thousands of years later, Jesus committed to being the love that would drive out hate, the light that breaks the darkness. Brothers and sisters, let us bring any seed of evil and hatred within us to be crucified with Christ, so that all may be raised to the love of God that knows no end, Jesus died as a seed that would grow to bear much fruit in his resurrection. As people of faith who trust in that resurrection, we must cast aside the ways of this world that led to his destruction and place our faith in the love of God that leads to peace. There is indeed much in us and in our world that needs to die. But there is so much more that needs to be resurrected. May God let it be so and save us from these times of trial. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you have enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown. Go to www.RevSethNelson.com If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.